with more and more people every single day leaving their nine to fives, pursuing their passions, and really wanting to do something on their own, it's more important now than ever to develop a community and a platform that is going to help you do that. So introducing the Wisdom app. So Wisdom app is one of the greatest social audio apps in the world. It's for experts to monetize their experience and their expertise, grow their personal brand, and help those who need it most. So this is how Wisdom app does it. So they use a really great North Star metric to create a safe space for people to have conversations that are really important to them and to be a diverse group of people. They are creator friendly. So right from the launch, Wisdom rewards experts for their contributions with more extraordinary monetization tools on the way, of course, always developing. And audio, as we know, is the most human method of interacting. For thousands of years before humans, we were writing, making movies, snapping photos. They were all talking, right? So You can actually join me on the Wisdom app. So I want you to think of Wisdom app as Clubhouse app meets Masterclass. So I'm super excited to be partnering with them. So what I want to do is invite you all to download Wisdom app on your phones, on your computers, wherever you want to check it out. Just Google wisdom.audio or just look up the Wisdom app on Apple Podcasts. I'm sorry, not Apple Podcasts, on the App Store. And I want you guys to check it out this evening. It is Thursday, all right? So this coming Thursday, the 9th of December, I'm going to be on the Wisdom app doing a live conversation at 7 p.m. It's just going to be a quick 10-minute call, and we'll be answering questions, and we'll be going through plant dominance and facts like that, just talking about some of the things that I have observed and learned throughout my industry really sharing some expertise in my area of plant dominance, fitness, exercise, and overall wellness. I'm so excited for this. Again, that is December 7th. I'm sorry. It is December 9th, December 9th at 7 p.m. So make sure you download the Wisdom app right now and we'll be on there. I'm also going to be posting it on my social media afterwards so that you can all check it out. But again, December 9th at 7 p.m. It's again, it's Clubhouse meets Masterclass. So the Wisdom app is where it's at, and I know it's just going to skyrocket. That's why I'm so excited to partner with them, with them for this episode this week. I hope to see you all there. And without further ado, let's get back into the episode. Welcome to the Hotter Than Health podcast, a plant-dominant podcast and resource for those looking to expand and elevate their health. Every Thursday, you can expect provocative and engaging topics, entertaining interviews, and some of the biggest names in health and wellness. Be prepared for tangible tips and takeaways, and to fully understand what it means to live an optimized and energized life. It was you were drinking for a mission. It was for a, it was to get drunk, to party. It wasn't just have a glass. Mm -hmm. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Hotter Than Health. This episode is very special to me, and honestly, it's just something that I think secretly a lot of people are not struggling with, but considering. It is talking all about the spectrum of alcohol and the way it plays an impact, impacts our life, and we go into... A lot of conversations today with a sobriety coach. Her name is Molly Ruggieri. We have mutual friends, and I knew that she was going to be a great resource for the podcast. It is going deep into why we have the tendency to move towards alcohol in uh, instances of social anxiety, which is actually something that spoke to me a lot, and then in instances of numbing, coping, things like that. And this is not an episode of labeling anyone, putting yourself in a This is not to spur any deeper thoughts of saying, oh my gosh, I think I have a problem or this isn't to to point any negatives out. It's more to show support of there is life outside of alcohol. And I know I'm just jumping straight into this today, but I think it's really important for us to have conversations that open up our eyes to the fact that you don't have to have a quote unquote problem. You don't have to have alcohol misuse. You don't have to have 
a rock bottom moment in order to be curious about a lifestyle that incorporates less alcohol and more, more presentness and less crutches in a way. I do want to note that if there is someone out there who's listening, who's struggling with alcohol misuse or a relationship with alcohol or is having a tough time in any regard, that this is an episode that, uh, I, I do believe would be beneficial in just having another community to lean on to. So introducing our guest for today is Molly Ruggieri. So Molly Ruggieri is a sobriety coach. She's based in Charlotte, but she created a company and brand and lifestyle called Counterculture Club. This is a club that's based in Charlotte, but she has so many members all throughout the world. So it's alcohol freedom coaching, and it's also a global membership communities for alcohol free events. They have events with yoga. They have, you know, non-alcoholic happy hours. They just have group meetings. They have specialty calls. If you're a member of the club, they have tons of workshops and you don't have to be a member to go to these events. A lot of these are just free events with non-alcoholic cocktails and mocktails and just like-minded people. And one thing to really point out, Molly was mentioning that there are a lot of people as a part of the counterculture club that still drink occasionally and they just want to branch out and have more hobbies and be surrounded by more people who don't necessarily want to hang out with alcohol. And I know that it might seem easy to say, oh, well, like, let's just not drink that night. But at the end of the day, we all know that in society, it's by default often that we end up drinking, whether it's going out to dinner, there typically is a bottle of wine, whether it's going out to see a concert, of course, there's going to be beer and booze. So it's just introducing the mindset that you can do these things. And it doesn't have to be it, it doesn't have to be as hard when we know there's a community out there. And that's a huge part of counterculture clubs motto is just developing a strong knit commu- strong community full of people with like-minded viewpoints. I'm really excited about this. I'm actually really excited to go to Charlotte and maybe check out some of these counterculture club meetings and not meetings, but events. I think that it's something that helps to instill a bit of clarity. It helps you to wake up, get closer to your fitness goals. It helps with sleep. It helps with your dopamine. It talks, uh, you know, it speaks to someone who is in a personal development space. I think often we have this fear of, and we talk about this in the episode, we have this fear that if we decide to drink a bit less or not order a drink out at a restaurant, then we're going to have all eyes on us and we're going to have to explain it. And then oftentimes it ends up being a bigger conversation when maybe it doesn't need to be, or maybe it does, but opening our eyes to different options and different ways of thinking with this is I think the way to move forward in life is we can't just go about our life, putting people in boxes, whether it's your political views, whether it's the type of music that you listen to, what you, how you carry yourself, what you, what values you have and respect. We can all have different opinions and different values and different beliefs, but if we are not in a space where we can respect others that might be different from us, that's when we're going wrong. So in everything in this world, I don't care what you decide to do, as long as you don't place judgment or ridicule on someone who decides to do something different that might serve them better. Anyways, this is a really special episode for me, and I do talk about a scenario near the end of the episode that I dealt with recently, and it wasn't... It was nothing groundbreaking. There was nothing. I was not reinventing the wheel by not ordering a drink, but it was just my experience, and it was something that I have... I spent so much time thinking about, and then when push came to shove in that moment, I, in a split dissection, in a split second, I decided to not order a drink in some situation and I just didn't the rest of the night and I had a great night and it, it really proved to me that it was a bit of my social anxiety and overall anxiety that was determining whether or not it was determining my alcohol consumption. And it's not, I, I feel lucky that I don't have a a misuse 
of this, but, and I know some people do, but this was just my experience of this certain situation. So I know that you all will absolutely adore this episode. At the end of the episode, we're doing a quick giveaway with Molly. She's going to be giving away a free 30 minute coaching session. All you have to do is go to the hotter than health podcast, follow us both, and then comment a friend or an emoji or your favorite part of the episode. Engage with the post that we did on our most recent post on Instagram. So the one of Molly, go ahead and share that post, like it and follow us. And you'll be entered in to win a 30 minute coaching call with Molly as a sobriety coach. It's a great gift. If you know someone who's interested in this, or it could just be a way to explore how you use alcohol, but Overall, this is a fantastic episode and I'm so excited to get into it, especially if you're just trying to up-level your fitness or your nutrition or whether it's weight loss, weight gain, muscle gain, just inflammation. I think this episode can speak to everybody. If you want more episodes like this, you can search on iTunes for Hotter Than Health with Kate Moon or you can search for... Carrie Boyd with episodes that we did also regarding substance misuse and experiences with alcohol and substance. Those are all really great episodes and resources as well. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that all of you knew that I sent out a newsletter mentioning we were going to be doing a Nourish and Elevate program, but to be completely honest with you, it isn't sitting right with me this year. There's something either bigger or better that's going to be happening but the Nourish and Elevate program is not something I'm going to be leaning into this year, but we will have more coming up. Uh, we still do have the monthly meal plan. December is up and it's one of my favorite meal plans that I think I've ever created. So that is on my website, elizagwellness.com and you can subscribe to the monthly meal plan. Check it out. It's amazing. Grocery lists, plant dominant meal plans, dairy-free, gluten-free. It's just the shit. We love it. And without further ado, let us get into today's interview with Molly Ruggieri. Molly, if you could give us some background. So tell us how you grew up and what your life was like in childhood leading up to where you are now. So give us the ins and outs. Sure. So I uh, grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina. I I was always a really shy kid. I don't remember a time when I didn't feel like very aware of my own presence and like anxious. I always had like a lot of social anxiety. Um, I was a big like journaler. So I was always like writing stories and poems about my feelings and just like had a lot of thoughts. Like I was very aware of you know, the way I thought I was coming off in the world and the way my friends perceived me and just like kind of, I guess you could say I had kind of some low self-esteem, you know, I never went to therapy or took medication or anything like that. It was just sort of like, I was always a shy, shy kid. And then, you know, I always did really well in school. Grades were always really important to me. Um, I just had a high bar for achievement, even, you know, as a little kid, I just always, tried to get straight A's or A's and B's. And I, in terms of like my relationship with alcohol, I didn't start drinking until really until college, but I tried alcohol like once or twice in high school. Yeah, for sure. Well, so, cause that, it's so funny. That's so different from my experience when I was, I started drinking and doing stuff I shouldn't be doing when I was 13. And maybe it's cause I had an older sister, but she wasn't even really doing those things, <laughs> mm -hmm. but so everyone's story is just so different, but you mentioned you didn't really start drinking until you got to college. Yeah. yeah. So I tried it. I tried alcohol, like at a sleepover a couple times and I just, I, I liked it right away because it, you know, I felt like I could be a little goofier and I feel like it made me more confident. And I just didn't really have any opportunities to drink. Like my friends didn't really drink alcohol. It just, wasn't really a part of my social environment. I don't know, maybe I wasn't in the cool club or something like that, but I just didn't really, uh, it wasn't until I got to college that it was just a big part of socializing. And so then everywhere, every party I went to, alcohol was a part of it. So I was learning how to socialize, go to parties, meet boys, 
interact and like have fun. And I was associating alcohol with being a requirement to be able to get to that point and like to access this like confident, cool version of myself. So, you know, in a way I think it stunted me because I was at, you know, I was 18, freshly 18 going to college. And for those four years, I used alcohol to like get over that social anxiety that I had always had. And it felt like it really worked. So I wasn't drinking every day or anything like that, but definitely was binge drinking on the weekends and then still maintaining that like level of, I guess, perfectionism of getting great, good grades. And I had like eight internships. I was working. I was like on the radio station doing a uh, DJing and like, I just always thought like I needed to be doing more. And that's something that so many people can relate to is they always feel like in order to settle in themselves, they have to do more. And that's something that takes so much time. It might, you might realize it in an instance, but it takes years to set, come out of and Mm -hmm. reprogram yourself. So you're a high achiever. You are binge drinking on the weekends. Can you paint us a picture of what a weekend would look like? I know some people say that they drink a lot that weekend, but maybe that's a a couple glasses of wine. So it's different for each person. So what did that look like? What was an average weekend like for you in college? Yeah. I mean, an average weekend would be like a pregame with friends at our dorm or an apartment. And we would just do shots, like lots of shots. And so we would be drunk before we went out and then we would go to the bars and, and drink. And I would start to black out more frequently, like later in my twenties, but I definitely blacked out and like did some embarrassing stuff, but you know, it was college and it was funny and all my friends were doing the same thing. So we would just laugh about it and, you know, be hungover and go eat crappy food at the dining hall. And it was just, it was, it felt fun. And, you know, some things happened that were pretty scary and even still we would laugh about it and it just didn't feel like abnormal or, Like I was doing anything that anybody else wasn't doing because everyone was kind of on the same page. And like, we just drank to get drunk and to party. Like it wasn't, especially, you know, in the early years of college, it wasn't like to have a a nice glass of wine. It was like, let's get it and then like rip shots or whatever. And then go to the bars and just continue to drink like dollar Budweiser's or Bud Lights or whatever. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I never really like learned that you would just drink to have like a nice glass. It was like, it was, you were drinking for a mission. It was for a, it was to get drunk, to party. It wasn't just to have a glass. Mm -hmm. And that's so, it's something we hear all the time. It's not, it's not uncommon for, I even have friends right now who are almost 30 or 30 plus, and they're still saying, yeah, well, I, I drink to get drunk. I don't like to drink during the week. And that's, that's just the way they, they operate. And that's fine. But even just hearing those phrases is so common, not, Mm -hmm. not normal, but common. So when was a moment when you thought, oh shit, there's something different about what I'm doing and how I'm coping with my feelings compared to all my friends? When was a moment where that really stood out for you? Yeah, I would say, you know, things become clearer looking back and I've, I'm almost four years alcohol free at this point. So I am kind of observing things more clearly than I did in the moment, but I didn't ever really have negative emotions. I wasn't necessarily like coping with numbing with alcohol. I didn't really start doing that until I was in my twenties and I was living in New York. And I think that probably around 27 or 26 was when I realized like, oh, this has gotten a little bit darker. And now I went from just drinking to have fun with friends to drinking to like stave off shame and guilt and like negative emotions and being more secretive about it than other people were. So it wasn't obvious to anybody. I wasn't like getting, you know, puking at the bar, saying embarrassing things. But like I mentioned, I did black out. So no one necessarily knew I was blacked out, but I was drinking such high quantities and my tolerance had gotten so high that 
I would just forget massive, not forget. I would like, wouldn't retain massive portions of my weekends out in New York city. And that just became like a regular thing for me. Well, let's talk about that for a second. I think that often we, we were talking about this before we started recording is that we put this alcoholism or alcohol abuse or substance abuse or alcohol misuse, any of these titles, we put them into one box and we think that it has to look like stumbling on the floor, gashing your head open every time you drink, or it could be all of your friends are concerned and it becomes disordered, everything else in your life and you lose your job. And we think that it has to go down this dark hole where there is this spectrum. Can we talk about the spectrum of, okay, you went from really realizing that you wanted to not abuse a substance and you wanted to get clarity. What was that transition like? What, how did you start to live a life of alcohol freedom? And let's talk about the spectrum that people might be on ranging from complete, complete dark hole to, I just feel like I don't, it's not serving anyone, me anymore. Yeah. I mean, now and like medical professionals, I don't want to get, obviously I'm not a medical expert, but the term like alcoholic isn't even something that medical professionals are diagnosing someone with. Like we're all on the, if you drink alcohol, you're on the alcohol use spectrum. So if you're severe, you're like alcohol use disorder or like severe alcohol misuse or whatever that is. But as a society, anybody that drinks is somewhere on that spectrum. So I had this misconception and there are just so many misconceptions out there about alcohol use. I mean, even in like traditional recovery programs, they say there's the normies and then there's the alcoholics. And frankly, like there are just so many shades of gray with drinking and you can drink normally quote unquote for years and then something happens and you change your the way you use it so it's just there's just so much more to it and so much that can trigger the habit to kind of escalate to the next level so with me like when I was in college I really like I said I only drink on the weekends and I didn't like drinking during the day because it made me tired and I like still was exercising all the time and eating healthy during the week and then I had that balance and I just thought that you know I'm safe because the first time I drank alcohol I wasn't like off to the races addicted it didn't ruin my life so I didn't think that that could happen to me but you know, like the more you drink, the more you cha- you train your brain that you need this substance and this substance gives you a reward. And so you just continue to reach for it. And the more you do, the more you use it for all sorts of things. So for me, um, what I think was like the turning point for my use was when I went through a breakup in 2017, which didn't necessarily it wasn't caused by my drinking, but my drinking was starting to affect like my mental state and my emotions. I was always like, felt like I was like one drink away from bursting into tears and it just like wrecked my self-esteem. So I was always like crying and like getting drunk and then questioning my boyfriend at the time, like asking if he still loved me and all of these things. And I like lost interest in exercise and diet. I was just like trying to get through the day. And so that was after that breakup was when I was so ashamed. And then ironically, like using alcohol to get through those feelings of guilt and shame, which just magnified the anxiety and the guilt and the shame the next day. And so I stayed in that cycle for, I think about a year, a little less. And then it really wasn't until my family, like my parents started noticing that I was just drinking a lot more. I came home for the holidays in December of 2017. And I just like, wasn't, I didn't look good. Again, I was like, so emotional. I had had some kind of like health, like health issues going on. And like, my face was super bloated. My hair was like, kind of like thinning. And I just like, wasn't healthy and they could tell. So I, um, I shared with my mom that I was drinking and then I had talked to a doctor and she was saying like, maybe cut back and So I told my mom that I had cut back and then I actually didn't. I just told her that. And she figured out that I was still drinking because I very smartly had my like bank account attached to like the credit card I used to order wine to my apartment. And she could like see my spending. 
And so she was like, okay, she said she quit drinking, but she's still getting wine delivered every night. Like she's (laughs) not being truthful about this. And so like once someone called me out, which was my parents, because again, none of my friends in New York were saying anything or noticed anything. And I felt like I was just kind of getting away with it, I guess, or like in denial. And so it wasn't until like someone shined a light on the fact that like, yeah, you're drinking a lot and it's taking its toll on you. And like, we can see it that I was like, oh, okay, well, this is real now. Yeah. And especially when it's people who are clearly your mirrors, it's your family, they know you. And I do think often we surround, we end up surrounding ourselves with people that we know aren't going to call us out. If we're going through something, we know that we're not going to go to the people who are really, really close to us. We're going to go to the people that we just go out to party with because they only know one version of us. So it's not different if that person is binge drinking or maybe their face is bloated or it looks like they're sickly in a way. It's that's how they know that person. Also, we surround people that, you know, they're not going to call me out because they drink just as much as I do. It's that mentality. Almost the hypocrisy of it will hold people back from saying anything. Now you mentioned a breakup and there was a lot of emotion behind it, but at the end of the day, it was never something that was driving your life down the drain completely. So I want to talk about you established counterculture club to ensure that people had a safe space to go and explore alcohol-free living. Talk about some of the people that have found a lot of solace in counterculture. And can you speak to anyone's story specifically that really touched you that you didn't realize when making this would be impacted so deeply? Yeah, definitely. If you've been listening to the podcast for a little while, you know that I've kind of been easing away from coffee and I've been focusing more on my morning routines. I've been focusing more on nourishing my body and really just giving it what it needs. And what I always, I try and tell myself and I always tell clients is that if you start the day with filling in some of those nutritional gaps and using vitamins, minerals, and different superfoods to fill in nutritional gaps, earlier in the day, you're more prone to making healthful food decisions throughout the rest of your day and into the evening. So what we want to do is make sure we're filling in those nutritional gaps. The way I've been doing this and prioritizing this over the past even six months is every single morning I've been using Organifi's green juice powder. So After using the green juice powder, which is incredible, it has tons of superfoods like moringa, spirulina, chlorella, matcha, all of these different things that are meant to alleviate any internal inflammation. It's meant to fill in a lot of our nutrient profiles. So one of the reasons I love it, and then also I follow it up with some of their chocolate powders. I follow it up with their proteins, especially now that it's getting a bit chillier outside. I want to make sure that I'm staying warm, but not just snacking mindlessly on sweets. So I've been using their chocolate powder uh, with a ton of superfoods and a ton of medicinal mushrooms to support my immune system keep me warm, keep my blood flowing and circulation spot on. So those are just a few things. And next week, we're going to be doing an episode with a couple of different uh, last minute gift ideas. But if you are, if you are ready right now, to start to fill in some of your nutritional gaps and make sure that you're making healthful decisions food-wise, mindset-wise, mindfulness-wise, I want you guys to go ahead and check out Organifi.com. I wouldn't be leading you astray. This is a product I use daily, multiple times per day, actually, and my boyfriend uses the protein and we're running out again. Oops. But either way, I wanted to put you guys onto Organifi. It's something that I trust. It's glyphosate-free. It's vegan, cruelty, gluten, dairy, free all the freeze. So make sure you're checking out organifi.com slash HTH for 20% off. That is the best code, best discount you're going to get anywhere. Just use the code, use the code HTH at checkout. Again, that's Organifi. Check out the greens powder. I love it so much and the protein, of course, but next week we'll do a whole podcast episode on some new items for the holidays or the new years, whichever floats your boat. All right. Without further ado, let's get into today's episode. So I created counterculture club in, it was like 2019. 
I had been sober for a few years at that point, but I felt like I was missing like-minded friends that also didn't drink. And, you know, I didn't want to go to a traditional recovery program just to make friends. So I figured, you know, in Charlotte, there are over 60 breweries in our region. And I figured if there's this much drinking, this many events that revolve around alcohol, there has to be other people like me out there who also are looking for the opposite end of the spectrum, like like-minded friends that want to go out and do fun stuff together and don't want to drink alcohol to do it. I looked around and there was nothing like that that I could find. And so I just figured like, I'll make my own group. And it's very much not a, I don't like to refer to it as a recovery program or recovery community, because we have women in the group that they just don't like the taste of alcohol or they still drink, but they want to do add more variety to their socializing and meet different people and not have all of their interactions revolving on like cocktails and wine nights. And, you know, and, and these days, like you can't even go to a workout class sometimes without it being at a brewery and you get a free beer afterwards. So yeah, yeah. I want to create spaces that were entirely alcohol free. So what you do with alcohol when you're not at our events or in our social spaces is not our concern. Like there's, it's a no judgment zone. You can use alcohol or not use it however you like, but we give you that space to experiment with socializing alcohol-free. And through doing that, you see that not only can you do it, but you can make friends and you don't have to be holding a glass of wine to do it. I love that. And I'm I'm the first, I'm the first to admit I love a good margarita. I like a glass of wine. But as of recently, I just noticed that, yeah, it affects my anxiety a little, even if it's just one or two glasses, or I notice that I don't sleep as well. So I'm puffy the next day. It's just all of these little things that compile and I'm just not as sharp the next day. But I want to go back to something you said that you just looked around and you didn't really have people that were on your same wavelength. Did that mean that you, do you still hang out with any of your old friends? Are you in a completely new friend group? I I feel like that's a big deterrent in someone who's saying, look, I do want to explore more things without alcohol, but I'm scared I'm going to lose all my friends or Mm -hmm. I'm scared that I'll just be alone forever. So can you speak to that? Yeah. So I, um, I moved back to Charlotte from New York city after living there for six years. And a big reason why was to get sober, to stop drinking, because I knew if I stayed in that environment with all of my friends and just the high stress, high pace lifestyle of New York, it would have been, would have been really challenging for me to, at least I felt at the time to get sober in that environment. So I, I knew I needed some accountability from my family and I needed a new, like a fresh start. So I have reconnected with a lot of friends that I had in high school, but again, I didn't really drink in high school. So it's just not a part of our relationship. And I reintroduced myself as like someone that doesn't drink. And I, I'm very lucky in that I haven't faced a lot of social pressure to drink because I'm so out there and open with my own sobriety that it just doesn't, it's just not relevant or there's no pressure for me. But a lot of our members have struggled with that of like the friends that push alcohol on them or the family, which is another thing I didn't have to deal with. My family was incredibly supportive, but you know, you go to a holiday gathering or something thing. And if you don't have that obvious problem, that's ruining your life, you know, like obvious, you lost your job, you got a DUI, something like that. People don't get it. And they're like, Oh, you're fine. You're not bad. You can have one. And it's just like, so discouraging for someone that's trying to make a healthy choice for themselves. But I would say like, it is a really good cathartic process when you do say, you know, I'm not drinking, whether it's today or for the next month or year or forever to learn who really values you once you're cares about your well being and like wants to support you. Because most of the time, the people that push back on our choices that are we're making that are objectively good for our health are the ones that have their own issues with maybe with alcohol and they don't want a mirror shown on them and their own relationship to alcohol. So 
it helps you realize like who is really has your best interests at heart and who is maybe not someone you should keep in your life if it comes down to it. And I do think it's worth it to say that I feel like if I were going through, this is me maybe two or three years ago, if I was going through something and I was saying, I'm not drinking anymore. It's better for me. I'm, I'm done doing this. And I feel like I wouldn't share the in-depth parts of why, or I wouldn't express concern to my friends. I would just immediately have to put up walls and shut down because I wasn't fully able to articulate why I needed these things, why I was feeling this way. And I automatically felt judged, even though they weren't judging me. It's like, we put this pressure on ourselves. And I think that that makes it so much harder. That's, I think a really good point is to see to your point that having a good understanding of why you're not doing it, really diving into the whole process, not just making it a diet, you know, can we talk a little about anxiety? Cause I think, or what's it called? Hangxiety where people will be hungover and they have a bit of anxiety that is by and large. I've done so many polls on Instagram talking about sobriety or just wanting to reduce alcohol or how do you feel after alcohol? And I get messages every single time, a hundred of them, people saying that they really, it's so hard during the holidays or it's hard with their social group and work outings. What would you say to those people who are really trying to do it for mental health reasons, but they don't necessarily want to cut it out forever, but they know that they need to figure something out to get on a track to reduce their anxiety. Yeah. I think that taking a break from alcohol is probably the best way to get to baseline and figure out what's actually triggering your anxiety. I mean, obviously the physical withdrawal that comes the next day after alcohol is leaving your body, that has a lot to do with anxiety. Like that's just your body trying to get back to baseline into homeostasis and like those, you know, those neurotransmitters, like just getting themselves, you know, it's your body trying to get back to normal and like feel better. So that's a a natural reaction, but you know, there are anxiety disorders and you don't really know what your baseline is until you remove alcohol, because it does play with those. Like I said, those neurotransmitters, like the dopamine and the serotonin, So even if you are on a medication or or doing all the right things, the healthy eating, the exercise, the natural ways to take care of your brain, you you don't know what your natural state is unless you take out alcohol and other other substances that might be impeding that. So even just for a week or a couple of weeks to see how you feel, and then that will help to understand like where to go from there. With that, there are a lot of people and myself included that might find that intimidating. And even just not for a weekend, I had someone telling me this morning that I was training them and they felt so good. They showed up early and he said, you know, I didn't drink all weekend. And that's, that's a big achievement, especially being where I am in Charleston, where it's definitely food and Bev and it's a boozy town. And I'm want to talk to the people who would like to have more of a cleanse just to get clarity. And Mm -hmm. When you began shifting your lifestyle to less alcohol, what were some specific things that you did, whether it was daily, weekly, activity-wise, what were some things on a micro level that you were doing that made it a little bit easier to not drink so that you could still be happy and have fun? What were some of those phase-out tools, even if it's not permanent? Yeah. I, I mean, I did, I did so many different things and it was a, a journey for me that it wasn't, it wasn't linear to be cliche, but I just, I did a lot of research. I read a lot of books. I got super into podcasts, but what has been the foundation for my sobriety and my like mental and physical health is as like cliche as it sounds is exercising, having a really solid daily routine. I do a lot of journaling. So I journal every morning. I meditate. I've fallen in and out of meditation, but I notice the difference when I do that. Another thing that isn't as tangible is like honesty to me. So like talking to other people, telling people how I'm feeling. I did a lot of like, not 
overt big lies, but like white lies. And I wasn't honest with people about what was going on with me when I was drinking. So I kind of associate even white lies or, you know, lies that don't affect other people with like that period of my life. So being as honest as possible with my friends and my family and myself makes a big difference too. But, you know, there are so many different tools you can use. And ultimately, you know, it also comes down to just the way that you talk to yourself and the thoughts that you have. So the more you try new things and try to solve for whatever you have going on and with a different tool. So rather than using alcohol, using exercise or using food or using something that is more nutritious and beneficial to your body, the more I call it like evidence, like the more evidence you get Mm -hmm. that you can do this thing and you can live life. And by this thing, I mean like life, like you can do life without alcohol, but you need to take the action to change the habit. Mm-hmm. So it, I feel it like comes like baby steps. So many people think that you're, it, it puts you in a restrictive mindset. Yeah. And I remember when I tried to do it for a challenge that I did with myself and the guy that I was dating at the time, it was a weird time. But mm-hmm. I remember just, I would just be in my room. I was either working out, I was doing two days working out, drinking water at work or in my room because I was like, if I, if I am tempted, then I'm, you know, not worthy of success or whatever was in my head at the time. But instead of isolating, I think that looking back, if I did that challenge now, then I would think, oh my God, I have so much time to do all these other things. But when we put it in this lack mentality, then it gets so challenging. But if we flood it in, like you were saying with podcasts with, and it doesn't all have to be self-help books. You know, I read a ton of fiction. I read weird things like that, or even, you know, playing a sport or learning a little language on Duolingo, whatever, however your mind works. I want to take a quick pivot to drinking during COVID. You mentioned you knew my aunt Carrie. We have, for anyone listening who would like more episodes like this, we have a whole story with my aunt. Um, If you scroll back a number of episodes, it's called Mommy Alcohol Culture. And it's her whole story. Again, there weren't rehabilitation centers. There weren't anything that you would quote unquote think of when you hear that story, but it's creepily normal how, how it creeps in. I'd like to talk about COVID and what you were seeing as far as people's mindsets and drinking and substances during that time. And I guess still now, but talk to me about what you were hearing most of all and what, what were some things people were struggling with? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And this just goes to show that like, there's not a one size fits all when it comes to alcohol use, because people reach for alcohol for different reasons. For me, it was to ease social anxiety primarily. Um, But for some people, they don't need to drink when they're out. They, they use alcohol primarily when they're at home to unwind or to de-stress. So I have, I work one-on-one with clients and I have some clients who, the time alone at home is what they need to work on. And then I have other clients that are never tempted to drink at home and they just are, you know, it's just when they're out with friends and that have that social pressure. Um, I do know there were a lot of studies done that alcohol use did increase a lot, particularly for women. I actually like have a stat that I was going to share with you that said heavy drinking rose 41% among women. And one of every five women in the survey had heavily consumed alcohol at least one additional day per month compared to the previous year. And this was conducted like during COVID and released in like spring of 2021. So a lot of, you know, women in particular, but everyone was experiencing all of this stress and we had, you know, the confines of our daily routines removed. So why couldn't someone start drinking at two o'clock rather than five o'clock? And I just remember thinking over and over again, like, thank God that I quit when I did, because I remember in New York, we'd work from home occasionally and I would have wine at like three o'clock. Cause I was like, well, I'm home and it makes me write better and, and whatever I can do whatever I want. And like routines kind of keep us in check and we lost all of that. And we also lost our support systems and all the things that we did to take care of ourselves. So it was like, you're at home, you're on the couch you're watching a movie, you just start drinking and it, it 
it can escalate without you consciously realizing it. And I think that's what happened for a lot of people. It definitely seeped in. And that's yeah. what, that's what my aunt Carrie was mentioning in her episode that she was still waking up at 6am running five miles a day, working from home. But every single night she had a bottle and a half of wine and she would a lot, often just not remember the night. She just would, and it would be a weekday. She would, but she said it was the scariest thing ever that she would wake up with no remembrance of, you know, putting her kids to bed or whatever it was, but she would, her, her clothes would be hung up and picked out for the next day. Her makeup would be washed off. Everything was set, but she didn't remember doing it. That's how she knew. She was like, oh my God, uh, tangent again, but walk me through what does a counterculture event look like? Can you give, give an example of who might show up? Where where would it be? What are you guys doing? And is it just, you know, goat yoga? What what kinds of things do you do? <laughs> yeah, goat yoga. We actually talked about doing that. We haven't done it yet. Well, one thing I wanted to mention to answer your question previously that's awesome about our community is, like I said, we have women from all areas, all relationships to alcohol, but some people that have joined have ended up going completely alcohol free, just organically from being in the membership experience. So that's been really cool too, that they, they joined because maybe they were sober curious or wanted to cut back. And then through meeting other people in our group, um, and we have members like all over the world now meeting other people in the group and seeing the way that removing alcohol, drinking, cut, cutting back has changed these other people's lives. And seeing that example has like motivated them to change their own relationship. And it just goes back to like that positive reinforcement of the more you experience the time you get back, the way you feel like the energy you have now, like all the things you get to do that abundance, that example of like, just seeing other people like thriving in their lives that really motivates people to, and to make it change from a positive place rather than like, I, I've lost my drinking privileges and now I exactly. Have so it's that lack mentality and that positive reinforcement mentality and of abundance. What are you getting from this experience? But honest to God, our, our society is not set up for just based on my observations. It's not set up for people who are sober curious or, or just don't really enjoy drinking that much. It's not really set up for that. It seems like some underground subculture and monogamy. It's hard, not hard, but with social media, with the instant gratification mindset that most people have with the mm -hmm. inability to cope and communicate, all of those things lead up to where's our crutch. So is the crutch cheating? Is it being a serial dater? Is it being fearful of commitment? Is it all of these little things, but alcohol is one of those things that society has told us is normal. And with anxiety being something that affects 40 million people year, every year and more and growing, it's, mm -hmm. it's the one thing that really does amplify that anxiety, but it, it's rock and hard place. It makes it better in the moment, but mm -hmm. tenfold worse yeah. Later. It's like, there's, um, I forgot where I heard this quote, but I always think about it. It's like, you're buying the relief, but you're buying it on credit when you're using alcohol to get you through a situation because it's not taking anything away. It's just going to magnify that feeling later. You're not working through anything. You're numbing it and you're getting that instant gratification. You're getting that dopamine boost, but you're going to feel it the next day. And it's not long-term doing anything for you. It's, you know, you're got to get through that moment. It leads to a vicious cycle. I can uh, answer your events question, but I can answer that too. Yes. Tell us what an event is like in Charlotte so that people who have not heard of it can look into it. And then if we were in Charleston, I'm assuming that you've visited Charleston at some point. Love Charleston. Love Charleston so much, but mm -hmm. I want to hear if you did a pop-up adventure here or something just on a normal weekend and you had a group of friends that you were meeting here, but what would you do here? Yeah, I, so we, we do all kinds of events. So we do special events just for our membership community every month here in Charlotte. Um, but we do online events as well. So one of the things we regularly do for our virtual community is like tarot card readings. So we do like virtual tarot card parties with one of my, um, I'm sold. Friends. I'm sold. 
So fun. Um, and then we'll do like monthly workshops online. But in terms of things we do here in Charlotte, we were hosting yoga all summer outdoors at, at um, Camp North End. So we have like regular yoga classes. We hosted a really awesome alcohol-free happy hour last month and like over 200 people attended. We had um, non-alcoholic beers there. We had Ken Euphorics, which is a really cool like adaptogenic mocktail. So good. Um, we had live music. We had the tarot card reader there. And it was honestly just a really cool night out that people, even people that drank, like all kinds of people showed up, but like had tons of fun. We had gift bags. We had, you know, like anything, just a um, custom mocktail from a chef. He did like three appetizers, a, a local chef here in Charlotte. That's fantastic. Sam Deminich. Um, so we had like really like thoughtful food, drinks, activities, and, you know, nobody was drinking and everyone had an awesome time. Like we just kept getting incredible feedback. So, you know, we do stuff like that for the public. And then we do like private workout classes here. We were talking to a restaurant here in Charlotte about doing like a multi-course dinner with mocktail pairings. And so my goal is really to just show that you can do anything and more and you without alcohol. Like you absolutely don't need alcohol to have a like fun night out and get dressed up and go out with your friends. Like you can go to concerts. It's rather than seeing it as like, I don't drink, so I can't do that thing. Like I've lost my admission to that. Like you can not only go do that thing, but you can have an awesome time. You're not blacking out. You're not spending your entire night waiting in line for the bathroom or spending $30 on a white claw or whatever. I was going to say, you're saving so much money. (laughs) You're saving money and you're going to wake up the next day and you're going to feel better. And there's just like, there's so much more freedom to it than we assume. But for me, it's like, I've been able to honor my commitments and like work out regularly. And I was thinking about this when, because I listened to your episode with Carrie and I was like, I can't believe that when she was blackout, she did her skincare routine and like, I just started flossing regularly a few years ago. And like, those are things I do now. But when I was drinking, I would just pass it on my bed with all my makeup on my face. And that was like, I I didn't have self-care practices in place, period. No, I think that's what freaked her out so much is that she could live a normal life. But what if, what if she got so normal that she drove her car, you know, that kind of thing. But okay. And then quick change to Charleston. So if someone, if someone doesn't have time to, throw together a whole event. I feel like even taking it away from saying, oh yeah, there's an entire thing. It's ticketed. You have to buy it. It's three courses. It doesn't have to be this big event. What would you do if you were just visiting Charleston? Obviously, maybe maybe someone who's new into the world of non-alcohol. So there's still that pressure and maybe you're around a couple people. What would some things be that would be fun and what would your mindset be around those events? Yeah. Um, I mean, we're starting to partner with some of our members, like I said, they're all over. So some of our members are working with us to host counterculture events in their own cities. And we try to make those events relevant to whatever the city has. So, you know, we have members in Asheville and it would be something like a hike, I think in Charleston. I mean, there's so much to do. It could be just like a beach day and you bring like a cool, like non-alcoholic like can euphorics or like a non-alcoholic beer or something like that. Or, you know, we could work with a local yoga studio and do a class with journaling or something like there's, there's so much you could do. And I know Charleston does have a heavy drinking culture and King street and all that, but I, you know, I've gone there sober and gone out to nice restaurants. And uh, one other thing we're doing here in Charlotte that I'm sure we could do in Charleston would be like a ghost tour so we're like going, we're organizing a private ghost tour I'm here in. at a like old, like historic mansion. So cool. it's just like cool, cool shit like that. Like activities, making things like learning a new skill. We did um, a jewelry making workshop a few months ago with a local jewelry designer here. And we had like kombucha and seltzer and cool. made like four pairs of earrings for ourselves. So that, that was fun too. So really you can do anything and everything. It just what's in your glass is different and not going to make you black out or call your (laughs) ex-boyfriend. So with my boyfriend this weekend, we went and I got us tickets to go see Elf, which is a play. I mean, it was a play. And I knew we were going to go to this awesome 
new Mexican restaurant that had opened up on King Street and they have, they're known for their amazing cocktails and they have mezcal tastings and all these things. And I went in and I just, even earlier in the morning of the day we went out, I just kept thinking, do I want to drink tonight? I was already thinking about it. And I was like, well, of course I'm going to, because we're doing this. It was just a by default. But Mm -hmm. then I got into the restaurant and he was parking the car. I ordered my cocktail and I asked our bartender, I said, do you mind doing a half a shot of tequila instead of a full shot of tequila? And so he did. And then everything else was normal and so good. And I had a half a shot and then I ordered a mocktail and I gave my boyfriend a sip and I don't think he recognized that it was a mocktail. I just like ordered a name off the menu because they had more places are coming out with mocktails. Nice. So that I don't have to be like, can you just do this without the bat? But so I ordered it and he tasted it. He's like, Oh my gosh, this is so good. And he loved it. But I told him there's no alcohol in here. And he was like, Whoa, what? And so it's because it looked cool. It, it tasted great. And we both really enjoyed it. And then I realized we, then we went to the the play and I thought we've been out for four or five hours and I've had half a shot, which is nothing. And it's, I mean, it's apple cider vinegar basically at this point. And I, I just, felt proud because I realized that instead of being in that restrictive mindset, I thought, okay, well, I want to actually get a mocktail. It's not that I just have to have water. It's I can enjoy the experience of holding a cocktail. And then two weeks before that, we went to a concert and typically it would have been me at least having two or three drinks at dinner because, you know, a little bit of social anxiety. It's just kind of how I am. I was meeting a couple people for the first time. We were going to be in an intimate setting and I just get a little nervous, but I thought at dinner, I'm going to get one cranberry juice and soda water. And then if I still really want one, I'll get a glass of champagne or something or a margarita. After 10 or 15 minutes of just sitting with my boyfriend, we had muscles and we were enjoying it. He got a margarita and I got my cranberry juice and sparkling water. It was just easy. And I thought, oh, well, I guess I don't need it. I feel totally fine. And they had like bubbly water in the venue. And I just didn't even drink at the concert, which it's not something that is a big deal. It's not a big deal. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but it was a small little win that I realized it was one of those things where I was like, oh, my social anxiety doesn't actually get better with alcohol. I don't get fun (laughs) with alcohol. And I think that it almost gives me this inner boost of confidence that, whoa, okay. I kind of did that. And Mm -hmm. almost just gives you a little, a little mini hump to get over so that as soon as you're over that hump, you're totally fine. Yeah. And that's true confidence. Like you got that because you did something that you thought you couldn't do. And that, I mean, that piece is so important and something I like try to write about and talk about is that having these thoughtful, non-alcoholic drinks on the menu, just ordering something that tastes good and looks pretty, that makes you feel more included in the group makes such a huge difference. And we realize that it, it is so much of a, like a placebo effect because mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, just sitting down and ordering the drink alcohol makes you think, okay, I can relax. My drink is coming. I'm part of the group now, but you haven't actually gotten drunk yet or experienced the alcohol. It's just the thought that it's now on its way to you and you will then be part of the group. So it's like, yeah. once you let go of that mental fixation that you need this thing to be this person and you realize like, I can have this delicious mocktail or cranberry seltzer or whatever it is. And I'm cool. Then like you feel this like sense of freedom that, you know, mm-hmm. you didn't know you could achieve. And before we wrap things up, what are three tips or two tips that people could start to implement in their day-to-day life if they're one tip for someone who's just dealing with maybe social anxiety like me, and then one tip for someone who is using it to cope. Yeah, with with social anxiety, I would say the thoughts and the anticipation of an event or what it will be like without alcohol are a lot, often a lot worse than the actual situation will be. So, you know, maybe in early days, it might be good for you to stay away from triggering environments. But if you make the decision, like I want to go out and I'm not going to drink tonight, it's good to get out there. And like you were just saying to see that you can do it. So I'd say, you know, be firm in your decision that I'm not drinking tonight and don't allow it to be like a game time decision because you probably in the moment you're going to, 
you might falter or waver on your choice. I am a big proponent of, like we just said, like bringing your own drinks to an event. So for me, like having, I just like, don't like drawing attention to the fact that I'm not drinking. So having a seltzer or a non-alcoholic beer or kombucha, like bringing something with me, that'll guarantee that I will have something in my hand. And I won't just be like twiddling my thumbs makes me feel like more confident and like more part of the group in the moment. Um, and then I'd say too, like driving yourself to a party because then you know that you have a way home and you're, you can leave at any moment if you start to feel uncomfortable and like anything you can do to kind of feel, I guess, like more in control of the experience and not like you're at the will of the people that are there can help feel you, make you feel more empowered. It's honestly the first 15 minutes for me, at least. It's just so cool to see how that happens. And I'm not, I'm not giving up alcohol, but I, it's nice to see my patterning. And then one other tip to take away. You mentioned, um, so people using alcohol when they come home, I think that it really comes down to changing your thought. This isn't really a simple thing, but I do like when I work one-on-one with my clients, it's like the thought work. So coming up with why you think this, this drink will make you feel better and kind of walking yourself through the pattern, like being, coming aware of your thoughts. So your thought is I had a really stressful day or I had a busy day at work. That's the thought. The feeling is I'm stressed out. Then that leads to the action of drinking. And then the result is you're going to be hungover the next day or feel bad. So like really being paying attention to how you're feeling and asking yourself, what do I really need? Do I really need to drink this glass of wine and watch 10 episodes of the housewives? Or do I want to go to sleep early and maybe like have a snack or like maybe go on a walk? Like what else can I do that will actually alleviate this feeling of anxiety or whatever it is that I'm, that I'm going through? I love that, that T line exercise. I use it all the time with clients. It's the best. Yeah. Your thoughts really do change everything. And one last thing. So before we say goodbye, where can people find you and what do you have on the horizon for counterculture and tell us a bit about your coaching? Yeah. So I am on Instagram at Molly Ruggieri. That's my um, personal page. Our counterculture club Instagram is at counterculture underscore club. Our website is countercultureclub.org. What were your other questions? Oh, what do you have coming up on the horizon yeah. and coaching? So our membership is, uh, we have an in-person membership here in Charlotte for Counterculture Club that includes in-person events. And then we also have a big online community, which includes online events and a private social network. So people can enroll in membership 365 days a year. Um, and then in terms of coaching, I work with women one-on-one in what I call alcohol freedom coaching. So I don't just help people learn to stop drinking, but I help people change the way they think about alcohol and lose their, their desire to drink so they can literally take it or leave it. Like I will say a hundred percent, I no longer desire to drink alcohol. And when I quit drinking at 27, I was like, my life is over. I can never drink. Like my fun is over. My social life is over. And I thought it wasn't possible to achieve that, but it a hundred percent is. So I work with women one-on-one and and private coaching. And then I'm also going to be launching a group coaching program in early 2022. So for anyone that wants more of a like coaching experience, um, and wants to really like change their relationship to alcohol, that, that program would be something that they should look into. Amazing. With all of that, I know we're going to do a mini giveaway. So we're going to give away a free coaching call with you. And I think that that's going to be so huge. So all you have to do to win or be entered to win the giveaway is to follow Molly as well as myself on Instagram and make sure you comment a comment on the most recent Instagram post on the hotter than health podcast, Insta, Insta. I hate, I hate saying that Instagram. And any entry obviously is more opportunity to win, but it'll be a free half hour coaching call with someone just chatting about anything that they have going on. Yeah. Amazing. 
I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time. This is so valuable. And I'm so happy that we're having this conversation a little bit more often and open. And it's not just, you know, we're not teeny boppers that don't like to go out and have a good time. It's just a personal decision. And I think that the more we can open our eyes to seeing people and the way they live their lives differently and let it not be a reflection of how we live. I think that that's how the world will change. Totally. Yeah. It's a choice. It's an empowering choice and it's, it's always your decision. So well, if you could leave us with one resource, whether it's a book or a podcast or just something you're really enjoying right now, what would that be? I am reading a book called Dopamine Nation right now. I just started it, but I heard about it on uh, Laura McCowan's podcast, which is I think called Tell Me Something True. And it's really interesting. I'm really into neuroscience. And that is something that was huge for me when I was quitting drinking was understanding why my brain is doing what it's doing and the addictive properties of alcohol. So anyway, Dopamine Nation goes into dopamine use and, and what we use for dopamine and different kinds of addiction. And it's super interesting. So that's what I'm reading right now. I definitely recommend it. Absolutely. I'll put that in the show notes and all of this will be in the show notes as well for everyone listening. But Molly, thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to talk again and see you in Charlotte, hopefully next time I'm there. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Hotter Than Health. That was Molly Ruggieri. Make sure that you follow Counterculture Club on Instagram. You can also find her on Instagram at Molly Ruggieri, R-U-G-G-E-R-E. She's amazing, and I'm so excited to learn more about her community. And also, quick reminder that we are doing a giveaway. It is a 30-minute coaching session with Molly, so you can find more information on that on my most recent Instagram post at Hotter Than Health Podcast. And don't forget to rate us five stars on iTunes so that more people can find episodes like this. And make sure to write us a review. It is the absolute best way to support the podcast. It is free. It is the best gift. Thank you in advance. And I'm so excited for next week's solo episode so that we can talk all about, as you can hear Jack in the background, so that we can talk all about those last minute gifts and some New Year's products that everyone should have on their list for 2022. All right. We'll talk to you next week.